It ain't nothing but a concrete jungle With people packed like sardines Where everybody's trying To live beyond their means I wouldn't live in New York City If they gave me the whole dang town Talk about a bummer It's the biggest one around Sodom and Gomorrah Was tamed to what I found I wouldn't live in New York City If they gave me the whole dang town Well, I have to admit, I did share Buck Owens' viewpoint about New York City and that I would not live there if you gave me the whole dang town. And if the truth be told, I guess I really still do feel that way. I just couldn't live in the Big Apple myself. But it was a wonderful place to visit, which uh, yours truly did last week, dropping in on my nephew, now working for WNYC in New York. That would be Stephen Valentino, former general manager here at KDVS and known to our listeners in Chico, from his program dating back to his high school years on KZFR. Upon arriving in the Big Apple, we rented a car and struck out for eastern Long Island, which was spectacular. I think that the Hamptons uh, was something I wanted to take a look at, having heard about it, but not knowing much about uh, the lay of the land. Um, After visiting there, I would say that if you put Carmel out there, it might be the ghetto. This is the sort of place that, uh, well, it'll welcome you in for your tourist dollars if you behave and stay within certain, you know, stay within the velvet rope. I was amused to note that when we drove out to the beach to try and park and just go for a swim, you actually have to have a permit from one of the villages to park. And, oh, I'm sorry, it's Saturday, but uh, the office closes on the weekends. I kind of got the feeling this was designed to discourage the rabble of New York from traveling out to the Hamptons, and I think it probably succeeds in that goal. But uh, all in all, it was a wonderful trip out to eastern Long Island. I can't recommend it highly enough. Maybe in some future installment we'll talk about uh, the New England-ness of it. It very much is uh, reminiscent of, of small towns in New England more than New York. At least it struck me that way. But uh, the breeze was fresh. The water was warm and clear and clean. The scenery was very nice. The food was good, too. And, well... If you're thinking about a trip to New York, I'd say you may want to consider adding Long Island to your itinerary. And back in the city, I got the, the chance to watch the production of the Leonard Lopate show in WNYC with Stephen as a producer, and that was a very interesting experience. Lopate show runs about two hours, and they give each guest about 40 minutes, which I think is pretty ideal for a place like New York City. Uh, if you want to do a live radio program, you're occasionally going to get guests that are good for maybe 15 minutes. And you're going to have some that you can probably do two hours with and, you know, keep the audience riveted for the whole time. But 40 minutes looked like it was a pretty good uh, pretty good time for a segment, uh, although it was funny. On the first day, there was a guy in in the studio uh, with a book he'd written about how this locavore movement, this idea of eating local food, may just be BS, <laughs> which was sort of an interesting premise. He did have some good points to make, though. Although I'd, I'd still am more in favor of the Michael Pollan view of how we should try and eat locally. I had to laugh when a caller started berating him for, you know, the failings of capitalism in the food distribution system, with which the man responded with, 
Sir, are you familiar with the Soviet agriculture system? Which I thought was pretty much a BAM down to the canvas. But it was great to meet uh, Mr. Lopate. Um, Millie, in fact, who contributed the joke earlier in today's program, once said that she loved the Leonard Lopate show when she used to live back in uh, New York and that uh, he was like a fine glass of cognac. And I was able to relay that, uh, that metaphor to him, and I think he got a chuckle out of it. It was so interesting on day one, I returned for day two, wherein Andy Borowitz was filling in for Leonard Lopate. And I must say, Mr. Borowitz, one of America's foremost comics, did an admirable job in the chair. He was interviewing George Stevens Jr., himself an accomplished uh, Hollywood director and producer, who I believe was one of the uh, people involved with the founding of the AFI, or American Film Institute. We've talked about some of their lists on previous programs, and we hope to get Mr. George Stevens Jr. on this show in the future. Maybe a little help from our friends in New York. To really tell this story properly, I'd probably have to use the whole hour, and we don't have the whole hour, but I just want to give you a few uh, highlights, such as the elevated uh, walkway in the Meatpacking District, a new attraction they're offering in New York. Quite spectacular. They've developed a, a park containing some of the original uh, vegetation from New York City, Manhattan, back before it was uh, the city that it became. And uh, they planted that all around. And, well, the views are stunning. And if you go to New York City, I highly recommend you take a stroll on this elevated parkway. If you're going to go to New York, you should go to a play. We did check out The Columnist, featuring John Lithgow portraying Joe Alsop. A figure to be reckoned with in the 60s and 70s for his column, which was in something like 200 papers. Joe Alsup was uh, part of an elite who felt it was America's duty to go out and stop communism in Southeast Asia. He was an, uh, uh, just a, a, a fervid hawk and influential in many circles in trying to influence por- foreign policy. He was also a closeted gay man who distinguished himself on a trip to Moscow in 1956 by being caught in a compromising position and photographed by the KGB. Alsop apparently saved himself by going straight to the State Department and admitting to his indiscretion and even confessing to J. Edgar Hoover what had happened. And of course, I, I guess he probably got a rather uh, sympathetic ear from our former first G-man, whom it is now widely accepted was himself a closeted gay man. Anyway, John Lithgow is a hell of an actor. It was a hell of a great play, and that was, uh, that was one of the high points. And, of course, uh, things like Times Square have become the Disneyland of New York. <laughs> I did note, no sooner had I arrived in the square than I noticed a, an Elmo figure walking around in uh, his fluorescent magenta fur. <laughs> I was rather struck by the fact that uh, the next day there was an article in New York Times about how the nasty Elmo had been removed and... Other people were tickled by this fact. To quote from the piece in the New York Times, The pedestrian plazas of Times Square are prime territory for Elmo impersonators who, dressed in the cuddly Sesame Street character, compete for tourist cameras and cash. But there was one Elmo who not only drove tourists off, but also made other Elmos back nervously away. Who knew there were multiple Elmos? On Monday, the day after the police ejected a man wearing the furry red costume from Central Park for going on on an obscenely laced rant, other Elmos said they recognized the man from previous clashes and expressed hope that his brush with the law would help their trade's reputation. Mr. McMillan? New York, New York, a wonderful town. The Bronx is up and the battery's down. The people ride in a hole in the ground. New York, New York, it's a wonderful town.
Back when Esquire magazine used to run those wonderful dubious achievements of the year awards, whenever anything bad happened in New York, they usually captured it with, it's a wonderful town. But I have to confess, it is a wonderful town in so many respects. The food there, wow. I just, I'm craving some of the deli food that I was just able to walk in off the street and order. I think in New York City, if you're not producing truly excellent food, you won't be in business very long. Uh, Doug, did you get a chance to sample some salsa? Yes, thank you for that prompt, sir. Mr. McMillan, of course, is referring to the ad campaign run by the Pace Picante Sauce people some years back, where they would brag about their picante sauce made somewhere in San Antonio or some such place, and they compared it to some other sauce they saw in the market that was made in New York City. But I think the joke's on them. If they made picante sauce in New York City, I'm sure it would be top-notch like just about everything else they serve in the way of food. But I think I may just have to go back to eat. But it is always good to get out of town for a while, to New York City or or wherever. Um, The East Coast, as you may have noticed from the news, is having an unbelievable heat wave. A friend of mine went to South Carolina for a wedding, I think the week before I went back, and reported back that it was 107 with something approaching 100% humidity. The person that uh, was holding the wedding did apologize to all of the guests for the fact that they were holding a wedding in June in South Carolina, but it was the only time they had available. It is striking the difference between the two coasts, and uh, I think we owe it all to the Coriolis Force. Winds and ocean currents tend to bend to the right as they move from either south to north or north to south, which means, in short, that in California, we have the cold Alaskan current keeping us air-conditioned throughout the summer, whereas on the East Coast, they have hot water from the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico steaming up headed for Europe, which tends to keep things warm and moist. Wonderful for swimming, but if you don't like thunderstorms, this is not a good place to hang. On the first Monday back uh, out of our trip out of town for the weekend, there was a hellacious thunderstorm over Manhattan. And looking out the window, I observed the new Freedom Tower get struck by a bolt of lightning. I did note, too, that once you kind of get the subway system down, it, it is an old system that it doesn't look good. It's not appealing to the eye, but it is incredibly functional. You can get just about everywhere on an underground train in New York City. I think it's kind of is the envy of the world in that respect. And I discovered in walking around from Midtown to to downtown that the distances are really not that great. If you're willing to walk three or four miles, you can see quite a bit. At any rate, by the time the trip was over, I was feeling uh, very good about uh, the, the nation's financial capital. In fact, it might even be the world's financial capital. And in the weeks to come, I'll invite my nephew back on this program to talk a little bit in, in greater detail about some of the adventures that we had in which I recommend, uh, dear listener, that you go out and have two. In fact, yours truly is hoping to go back sometime in October for further reports on, uh, as I say, the world's financial capital. And I wouldn't have thought it was possible that New York could make me a bit nostalgic for visiting it, but I, I guess it has won me over. In fact... Although Mr. McMillan objects, I think the perfect piece of music to end this little bit would be... Not Billy Joel. Yes. New York State of Mind, Billy Joel. Under protest. Noted. I've seen all the movie stars in their fancy cars and their limousines. Been high in the Rockies, under the evergreens. 
waste more time I'm in a New York state of mind Well, all right, we do want to note the, the absence of Will Durst from this program for the past few weeks. Will is currently on a sabbatical to write an e-book, but he promises he'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the wake of hearing uh, Andy Borowitz and WNYC, I did suggest to him that he may want to uh, imitate Mr. Durst and record some of his uh, very funny tweets and and comments for the Borowitz Report on radio. I said I think that um, a lot of stations would want to pick that up. He said at first, well, I don't know, I hate to add extra work, but you could see the wheels were turning and he was thinking about it. I just think it would be wonderful if uh, if Mr. Durst could explain to Mr. Borowitz how this is done and that we could uh, bring on this program regular clips from Andy Borowitz. I mean, we do bring you Andy Borowitz on a regular basis. I'm just stealing from, from the Borowitz report. I think it'd be good for him to recapture some of that uh, revenue stream. I, I hope that can be made to happen for, for everyone's benefit. All right, to round up this segment, I think we'll talk a little bit more about some local people. In particular, one of our bestest pals here at, uh, at this program, that would be Dr. Andy Jones of Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour, heard every Wednesday at 5 o'clock as part of your public affairs lineup here on KDVS. Dr. Jones has a rather uh, extensive and wonderful write-up in the current edition of UC Davis Magazine. I called Andy to give him an attaboy the other day, and he noted that the piece... Uh, pretty much was correct, which is a tribute to the journalism of Clifton B. Parker, writing for UC Davis Magazine. We'll quote from that in a moment, but I want to note some uh, other Aggies in the news. Currently at the U.S. Olympic Trials, ex-UC Davis star Scott Welts won the 200 meters, which means he will be competing in that event uh, on the U.S. team. So we'll have to see what happens in London with the Olympics starting, uh, what, next week? I don't know, but this is a this is certainly a, a time to bring back our sports correspondent, Sean Mitten. Sean is always a pleasure to have on the show, and I'm sure he'll have a thing or two to say about the Olympics and probably Jerry Sandusky, and no doubt a few words about Wimbledon and just sports in general. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Sean is always a kick in the butt. Although I remember once saying to my then-Australian girlfriend, God, you are just a kick in the ass. She looked at me rather wide-eyed, not quite comprehending what the hell that American expression meant. Of course, when we Americans travel to Australia and refer to hang out in the rooting section, well, much hilarity usually ensues. And yes, that will go unexplained on today's program. But another Aggie in the news, the Sacramento Bee on the 4th of July notes that ex-astronaut Steve Robinson will be returning to UC Davis to teach in the School of Engineering. He is, in fact, uh, going to be a professor of engineering at UCD. He holds a bachelor's degree in mechanical and aeronautical engineering from UCD. And I guess has furthered his education by working on spacecraft orbiting above our planet. Steve Robinson used to work out uh, at the University Airport here at UC Davis. We are, I would remind you, the only UC that has uh, an attached airport. After he graduated from Davis, uh, Robinson joined the Ames Research Center at Moffett Field in Mountain View. And while at Ames, he enrolled at Stanford, where he obtained a master's in 85 and a doctorate in 1990, I presume in engineering. We had a chance to speak briefly with uh, Steve Robinson some time ago, and we'll see if we can't bring him back on the show. I'm sure he has a tale or two to tell. 
Although I would note that when he was at a press conference here at uh, the Mondavi Center, I believe it was, some years back, and I mentioned uh, the book written by another astronaut, I think his name was Eric Pogue, titled, How Do You Go to the Bathroom in Space? I would note that Steve Robinson had no interest in going in that particular direction. Thank God we had Mary Roach to come on this program and talk about her book, Packing for Mars, in which she dis- discussed some of the well, let's just say more problematic issues that arise when you have human beings in a zero-gravity environment. The simple fact of having to answer the call of nature, well, it requires some rather special engineering. Let's talk about a man who, uh, who likes to discuss technology on his program, Dr. Andy Jones. We were privileged to be able to bring Dr. Andy on this program to talk, along with his colleague Brad Henderson, about uh, some of the poetry they had written. I believe we talked about their book of verse, Split Stock. And according to the article, there is another book of verse uh, that is, uh, that is uh, going to be imminently published. It'll be titled Cages. As mentioned in the piece, no one has done more than Dr. Andy to champion the cause of local poetry. Says the piece, along with Brad Henderson, Jones co-founded the bi-monthly Poetry Night reading series in downtown Davis. The readings draw people from far and wide, even from other states and countries. He's the hub, Anderson said of Jones. He champions poetry as a cause, something for all Davis folks, not just the academics and the artists. Don't be misled by Jones's wholesome image. His own poetry is dark, dangerous, even bizarre, according to Henderson. When Andy reads his poetry, said Henderson, also of the university writing program, there's often a strange mix of tension in the room, a clash of parlor intelligence with street smart snarls. Dr. Andy, in fact, has been teaching at the English department and university writing program since 1990. The article notes that not many faculty members actually hold office hours off campus, but Jones does at a Davis restaurant on Sunday evenings so students can see him more easily. The article goes on to mention Dr. Andy's program here at this station. And further notes that at the same time, Jones is determined to boost the cultural character of Davis. And quote, I was raised by my family to appreciate great significance that culture has in a community's well-being. And in fact, our own Dr. Andy chairs Davis's Cultural Action Committee. And by odd coincidence, which I think we've mentioned this program uh, in the past, uh, the article notes that uh, Dr. Andy grew up in Washington, D.C., with a father who was a well-known entertainment critic on television. And I'm quite certain that uh, I was back in Washington, D.C. when All the President's Men was released as a motion picture with Dustin Hoffman and, uh, and, and Robert Redford. Uh, it was reviewed on all the local stations, and I, I'm, I'm sure I saw Dr. Andy's dad uh, giving it the thumbs up or thumbs down, I don't remember which. Which again illustrates something we point out in this program every so often. It's a smaller world than you think. Peace notes further that in 2006, Dr. Andy was honored to be named Educator of the Year by the Associated Students at UC Davis. We, of course, highly recommend that you check out Dr. Andy's excellent program here at KDVS, and we hope to bring him on the show, well, sometime soon. He is, to be sure, a very busy guy. But uh, he's certainly not too busy to offer help to this program, which he has done for 10 years. So again, we would thank you for that, Dr. Andy Jones. Look forward to uh, 10 or 12 more years uh, here at the station. Hell, why not 20? As mentioned, Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology is heard every Wednesday at 5 o'clock right here on KDVS. On that note, let's take a short break. 
This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We've got plenty more in our third segment. Stick around. The famous places to visit are so many, so the guidebooks say. I told my grandpa I wouldn't miss on any. We got just one day, gotta see the whole town right from Yonkers on down to the bay. In just one day, New York, New York, the wonderful town. 